What's up, Whack Attackers? Today we're talking with Sheila Diedenbach. Sheila Diedenbach is the founder and president of Heavenly Sweet. It's a cannabis-infused edible company, and she also is the president and founder of SD Pantry, which is a manufacturer for cannabis-infused edibles. She talks with us about how she was pivotal in helping the state of California define the regulations before cannabis was legalized in 2018. She's also a leader and contributor in Rolling Stone for the cannabis industry. This is not an episode you're going to want to miss out if you live in the state of California and if this is an industry you're interested in. Hi, I'm Shayla Diedenbach, uh, founder and operator of Heavenly Sweet. Um, I started, uh, you know, an edibles business in California about 15 years ago, and so I brought some of our wonderful products in here uh, to talk about and to share with you. Very nice. And as you can see, we got plenty of them on the table. Um, really looking forward to diving into some of these. But before we do really, that, really, you want to dive into them? Are you going to open up a bag? And no, eat them? <laughs> no, I'm not going to eat them, but we're going to look at them and we're going <laughs> to yes. take a look at the products. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get started in the cannabis industry? Uh, well, end of 2007, uh, when we had our, you know, economy had kind of collapsed and we had the highest unemployment uh, pre-COVID, um, I found myself to be a single mom with three kids to support and had been looking for a job that paid well enough. I have a degree in communications, but had a kind of tough time finding something that would allow me flexibility to spend time with my kids and really still raise them. So um, since I couldn't find a job, um, I created one. I had the good fortune uh, to go with a friend who was making a medicinal oil and they were making a delivery at a dispensary in Sacramento. I didn't even know we had dispensaries in Sacramento. And um, they were making the delivery. I got to go in. Things were a little more relaxed then than they are these days. So I was interested to see what types of food they put cannabis in, uh, what types of edibles there were. And what I found uh, in the counter was plain Rice Krispie treats of various sizes. Some were large, some were small, some were thick, some were, you know, uh, thin and um, the I, you know I'd never consumed an edible before and so I asked the bed tender behind the counter I said if somebody's never taken an edible how would they know how much of this to eat because there was no labels anywhere on anything there were just literally ziplocked sandwich bags it was the wild west back in those holy days. crap it was the wild and so west. this was the 215 <clears throat> days for those who don't know Correct. in california this yeah. is medicinal cannabis Correct. for cancer aids that type of stuff and you hey, had right. to go through a doctor and get a license for it and everything else and so um that was in those days so you get there and you see basically what is you know not even cafeteria lunch food and you are doing what? Uh, I mean, you're a, a, a baker, a baker, a candy maker, or something at this point in time, or do you have a lot of? Uh, did you have a side hustle or something prior to cannabis that you know made that transition for you? Prior to that, yes, I did have a side hustle for about 14 years, uh, making confections, uh, chocolates, shaped chocolates, uh, truffles, cheesecakes, pies, and lots of other sweet items. And um, I used to do vendor shows. I would do like 20, 25 vendor shows a year. And so that was my side hustle. I'm completely self-taught, um, but, you know, made a living out of it or, or you know, somewhat. So what is the, the, the proper term? Would you be considered a baker, like a pastry chef for, for what you just described prior to going candy into the industry? I, yeah, I would say, you know, candy maker, <clears throat> confectioner. Um, can, candy maker, oh, confectioner. Okay, mm -hmm, I wasn't yeah. familiar with the lingo. So as a, a confectioner, you walk into this dispensary and the idea rolls through your head that this industry is ripe for somebody like you to come in and actually produce something that people want to eat with their eyes, 
before they want to, you know, ingest the product and get the benefits from it. So talk to us about what happened from that point. From the point that I saw these uh, edibles in just clear sandwich bags, um, when I, after the the bud tender said, you know, I wouldn't eat more than half of one of those, I, I was... I thought, well, half of which one—that great big one or that little tiny one? There were there was there was no <laughs> there was no differentiation between the two, you know, or the various sizes. And since there were no labels, there was also no accountability. Oh. And I don't know that some hairy-backed guy named Charles didn't cook that up in his garage. I yeah. mean, there was there's no accountability. And so let's fast forward. So let's for mm-hmm. the folks that are listening, they're a couple minutes in here. Now, if I if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but then when the state of California legalized cannabis for recreational use, which which was what year, by the way, 2016, 2016, we voted it in January 1, 2018 is when we actually instituted. uh, So there's about there's about an 11 year gap from the time you walk Uh into a dispensary to that point. And so the state of California actually built their regulation around what you were doing 11 years later because of this incident. So, or they, they, you know, they, they went and they toured your facilities and, you know, this was yeah. becoming a, a thing that you were sort of help being or, or sort of leading by example, putting together. So if we're going to if we're going to go back and kind of build that story from from the time I walked out to the time that we had uh, adult use legalization, there were a number of things that happened. Um, you know, 2000, 2008 was when March 1, 2008, I actually started my business. And, Height and of the financial crisis. I know. Right? It's also a lot of unemployment. So, but Enunciate, but, Alan. Right. I know. <laughs> right after I walked out of that dispensary, I told my friend, after seeing what I saw, I told my friend, I could do this so much better. Just seeing that there was not just a need, there was a niche for it, but there was a need for it. That why would anybody buy that product that had no accountability and you had no idea what the potency was. Why would anybody eat that and put that in their body? So And not have anxiety doing it. You, you know, right. that shocks me. And this is just from something like from eating meat. Somebody said, how could you eat an animal that you didn't know? And it's drawing a parallel to exactly what you're saying, which is like, hey, you want to know how the quality of an animal was raised before you eat that animal? And you're like, you want to know the quality of what's in your edible before you consume this cannabis. Exactly. So take us through the journey with you starting your business from March 1, 2008. So from from 2008, I walked out and uh, I did my research before starting the first products. I I wanted to make sure that whatever products I was making, whatever I was putting out in the world was was to do good and not do harm uh, because... Um, obviously what was out there was, was like playing Russian roulette. You literally did not know. And there was inconsistency and there was, mm-hmm. you know, people were baking with ground up, you know, cannabis flour. And that just made it, it made no sense to me. There needed to be some type of consistency, something you could measure upon. And so the, the earliest moment was, uh, the early 2010, I went to a hemp fest right on the Sacramento River, and there were a couple of uh, tenured professors who had just begun testing flour. No one tested anything. There was no for pesticides were, and everything were, else. And for yeah, yeah, so, plant so, growth regulators. Yeah, let's let's clarify here. What yeah. does testing mean? Because they have testing now, but yes. what was it? What did it mean back then? So testing at that time was potency, fertilizers, pesticides, and primarily. Po- potency for people who are not in the cannabis industry is what is is how much THC or the milligramage that's in a in a product per ounce of a product or, uh, or per uh, ounce it, of it could flour. be per serving or whatever you okay. can you can do could be yeah right. an, an ounce of 
flower would be a lot to test. Right, because yeah, because basically speaking, each uh, it's a plant, right? And there are different strains uh, mm-hmm. of plants and different strains of plants have different levels of the compounds that give you the effects of eating an edible, right? Correct. Whether that's CBN or mm-hmm. CBD or THC. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So this wasn't even happening 2008, 2010-ish. This is like just starting to have Correct. people think about it, continue. Correct. So, so yeah, and you you touched on that terpenes and and there's a there's there's several hundred cannabinoids in the cannabis plant um you know we primarily focus on thc and cbd and cbn and uh, the the more well-known ones um, but there are a lot of them and they all have some type of influence upon your effect so in starting the business i also did the research on what type of strains uh, worked best and complemented food flavors because of course my ultimate goal was creating a product that was not only reliable, consistent in its potency, but beautiful and smell smell wonderful. And, and you eat with your eyes first, as you just said. Mm-hmm. But all of those, I wanted to make sure that the experience was going to be very different than what my experience uh, in that dispensary was. And when you say consistent, you're also talking about what the product is doing to you as the individual that's consuming it. Correct. So if I mm-hmm. buy... A heavenly sweets cannabis infused. Uh, heavenly heavenly sweet. sweet. Sorry, that's just my enunciation that added the s in the end. A heavenly sweet cannabis infused, you know, butter mm-hmm. tray that you have. I'm getting the same effect every time I'm consuming that product. So back in 2009, that's the gap between the time you started your business and the time you met these these tenure professors. What were you striving for to get to that when you met those guys, I'm, assu- I'm just making assumption it was three, three guys or three people, uh, what were you looking for up to that point to promote the consistency in your products? So we, we were manufacturing, uh, when I say we, I was manufacturing can of butter um, okay. and using the similar or the same strains in order to have those optimal flavor profiles. Um, but because harvest to harvest... Um, there's there's some variation, but we it, testing didn't exist. So it wasn't as if I could just say, I know I could test these, but I'm not testing them. It just didn't exist. So early 2010, when I meet these tenured professors and they were testing flour, and I literally had to convince them, look, if you can test flour for, for clarity, meaning you know free of pesticides and fertilizers, if you can test the flour for clarity and potency, you can test the can of butter. And if I could know exactly what's in the can of butter and I know that it's clean, I can create a consistent product. So you get them to do the testing, I'm assuming? Yes. Where do you go from there? So we began uh, testing um, our can of butter and so that we can create a consistent product. Uh, Heavenly Sweet was the first edible in uh, California to, first of all, lab test. We were the very first to lab test. Wow. Uh, We were the first to create a dosing schedule a decade before the state came along and said, 10 milligrams. Ours was actually 15, but you know, as soon as the state mandated a 10 milligram, okay, we'll adopt that. Everybody, so that consumers could make an informed decision. But we would put our THC content and the number of doses on every package. We're the first company to put a full nutrition panel on our products. Um, wow. So, you know, it, it, we were just, I, w- I was thinking in terms of as a consumer, what would I want? I, again, going back to that first experience of zero information and zero accountability, I wanted consumers to be able to say, okay, if 10 milligrams of this product, of, of, the, of a treat, uh, works for me, a spe- I get a specific effect with it, then 10 milligrams of any of my products will give you a similar effect so that there could be, a, you know, 
you could anticipate uh, what your effect is going to be. And, you you and can have a certain level of comfort too with it. And I think that that's incredibly important because if you go to the grocery store, you can see how many servings are in something, right? You can see what the calories are, you know, your macronutrients, you can see the ingredients that are in it. You know, it would be a kind of um, uh, anxiety inducing if you were somebody at that time that had a, a 215 card, which is a medicinal cannabis card, and you have cancer or some type of terminal illness and you go in there and it's like you already have enough issues going on in life, you know, let alone trying to figure out the dosage for your medicine at the time could be uh, incredibly anxiety inducing. And so what did you find when you did that? Like what happened to your company and what happened to the perception in the industry at that time? I I think it really kind of opened consumers' eyes and therefore their demand changed. Um, You know, we we were very well known for our consistency, you know, again, before regulations. Um, And and there was such inconsistency, particularly with edibles. We're we're retailing in about a little over 500 uh, retail points across the state. Um, but, you know, it's a it's a very slow growth. You know, yes. edibles are only about 15 percent of the cannabis uh, industry or in California, you know, 15 percent of the business. Um, but it, it is a slow growth. But, you know, we've also evolved in our product line and um, we try to you know, I, I try to stay on top of like snack trends. And so you'll see things change up in our um, you know, we have our standards, uh, but then we're we'll change things out. We have some holiday things and just to try to keep it interesting. And it does it does grow. And I would I would like to think think that um, being there on the ground floor and really being um, instrumental in um, maybe presenting a model, you know, in 2007, when all of the agencies were looking for um, information and how cannabis businesses were operating. When you say agencies, you're talking about state agencies, correct? They weren't just, I mean, they were, they were all, you know, they weren't even just from California. They were from other states as well who were also gathering information, but uh, state regulators as well as things like, um, you know, water management and solid waste management and uh, different districts that would come from all over the state to come as they were, you know, setting up their own um, regulations within their own cities, um, their own districts. They were also coming. And, you know, so we would get we must have had thousands of of different um, uh, visitors come through to see how we manufactured and we were already doing a number of the things like i said we were already had put a dosing schedule uh we're labeling for thc what are some of the things that you think california needs to do differently and also talk about some of the tax perspective because i don't think enough people know about the regulations so one of the Mm -hmm. one of the questions i get um or complaints rather that we get online and and within our uh, social platforms is you know why is it your product is now cost twice as much as it used to cost you know people who have been buying our product for years pre-regulation and they bought about it pre-regulation exactly, and then post-regulation exactly okay. and they want to know why the the price is doubled you know we are not the cause of the 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 price doubling um for each location each retailer whenever you make a purchase the amount of tax is anywhere from 18 percent of your retail price to 35 percent of your retail price and it varies because of why it very well first of all you have a 15 percent state excise tax you have sales tax each district is also allowed to add their own separate tax on top of that the city of sacramento is four percent west sacramento is six percent are counties getting in on it too 
So uh, if it's if it is a county or a district and they have set a, their own additional tax rate, yes, that is on top of the fifteen percent on top of your sales tax. Then you also have your. It's just a money your, grab for everyone. It's, it's a money grab. It, part of the misconception is that you know cannabis was you know it's cash cow. If you're in the cannabis business, it's just not that's not the truth. We're just you know unless you're one of these huge, uh, you know, corporate funded uh, grows or you know you're one of these huge manufacturers. And we're in 500 plus retail places, yeah. but we're a small business. You know, I have 20 employees, so yeah. it's still small business. So to compete, if you've got 38% tax on top of your the cost of your product. You have to be doing some serious volume. To in order to get people right. to stop using something, I want everybody to know, like it, it, they tax the shit out of yeah. something because they yeah. don't want you to use it anymore. Right. That's how they get people to stop sure. buying it. So if there's yeah. a 30 to 40% tax, yes. Let's just say one of us are governor of California mm -hmm. and we hire you on to run the regulation for the state of California. Mm -hmm. What are you doing differently to correct this industry to one, get rid of like the black market in California and two, make it to where it's a, a competitive marketplace? Well, tax has a lot to do with that because okay. like these trap shops we talked about earlier, they're not taxing the product. No. So you, we're, we're talking about a 30 it's a forty percent reduction for okay. consumers, especially Correct. right now. Correct, right? and and it's all profit for those the people who menu you know make the and fake no product. profit for the states or the cities Correct. or the counties. Correct. So and it does its harm. You know, obviously there's there's harm to the environment. You don't know how things are grown. You don't know how they're manufactured. There's no regulation. There's no there's there's nobody following up on anything. There's no accountability, which goes back to the very first. Uh, so know, Wild West for, are, for absolutely, yeah, absolutely. The so the, the, I think the best thing that the state could do to help mitigate that is create more of a level playing feeling field. If we could go two years, uh, a reprieve of excise tax and district tax, two years, give the legal market a fighting chance to compete against illegal products because price wise we're going to be similar. Okay, but we don't have a chance when you're tacking. 35, 40% on top of the product. It becomes cost prohibitive for a, for a consumer, especially in this tightened economy. There's not enough, there's, we're not de-incentivizing them. You know, we're not, we're not making it difficult enough. We're not uh, finding them aggressive enough and putting them out of business. So it has to be a combination of these things um, all at once. But okay. we don't have the manpower. We don't have the agents. We don't, you know, the money hasn't been put into that. What what we have put money into uh, was they they uh, allocated additional millions of dollars. I don't remember. It's twenty million dollars or something to that effect. Um, to what that money was for was to help districts that currently don't allow cannabis. Uh, you know, like uh, the city of Roseville. Yes, yeah. or the city of Placer, or a city of Rockland as well is the same thing. Just about anything in Placer County is all just a total Which ban. is a ripe market for... Oh, oh, oh yeah. do, do not misunderstand and think that cannabis is not sold and legally in it those is. locations. You just can't have, uh, you can't have a Call recreational storefront. storefront. Yeah, you, you can't have a storefront and you can't manufacture and you cannot cultivate unless yeah. it's for personal So you can have use. an industrial storefront mm -hmm. and not grow in Placer County. And bing, you can sell it in Roseville. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Loophole. you know, get back to that point that you were talking about where you know you don't you don't think that they're enforcing it well enough so correct you have uh, you know obviously said hey if we brought the taxes down and everything else and then we started going after and enforcing this do you think that this is 
also been exacerbated by some of the problems that we've had at, at the border in California because, like, for example, a lot of the cartels have been growing cannabis on public land here. Yes. You know, has, has that gotten worse as the border issue has gotten worse? I don't know if it has a direct correlation to it, but we've certainly uh, amplified that. So when you've got illegal grows and the, these are cartel-run, um, you know, uh, organizations. We, we also have human trafficking going on. We have, we have all sorts of, uh, you know, illicit activities yep. going on. That's not just about the cannabis for sale. It's that there's no regulation on anything. They are just operating like the wild west. There, there's no corner. So the, the problem with this is in order to really tax something effectively, you have to have a cornering on the market. And the problem is when you don't have the controls in place and the mechanisms in place to enforce the controls, you can't actually generate the tax revenue. And, you know, something like, hey, the state of California can come out and say, and some cities might want to refute this or counties, but you can't actually, since it's a state law, you can't make a, a county or a state law that supersedes the state law and says, oh, no, we're not going to do this thing. So you can make it to where you everybody it has to be legal to sell within the jurisdiction anywhere whatever that jurisdiction is and then you could also have something like a a tax fee structure that everyone is allowed to charge so let's say it's 18% 14 goes to the state 2% goes to the county and 2% goes to the city and then that funds each of the municipalities that would be looking to generate the tax revenue the only issue with that is like these trap shops that you're talking about. And so the big issue between basically that and like what we have here is there's no quality controls in place. And so we don't just allow random foods to be in our supermarkets here. So the same type of approach has to be taken to help clean that industry up. Do you think there's a timeline for any of this stuff? I don't really think that there's much in play for, um, actually making any of these these suggestions happen. You know, there were a few changes that happened uh, in 2022. They dropped cultivation tax entirely. They moved, um, as of January 1 of this year, they moved uh, um, the excise tax uh, responsibility to the retailers. So I think they're trying to say who should be responsible. But I, I am not aware of any... Um, oversight that is being put into place to uh, correct, um, you know, the, the, the rampant, uh, you know, illicit market um, or to, you know, reduce that at all. all I, right. I don't know that funds have been allocated for that. I started to say that it's like $20 million, which is not a very, not very much money. Not for a state like California, where if you compare right. it to the East Coast, it's like 10 states yeah. in one. Well, yes. what they allocated it for was uh, for the cannabis industry growth, but it was not to support new businesses. It was to support uh, like, districts that don't currently offer cannabis, um, you know, retail to the funds were meant for them to help set up their own regulations so that oh, they Jesus. could begin taxing. So it was too. just to get more tax revenue. It wasn't actually fix the problem, Correct. but in, in actuality, <laughs> they they get more tax revenue if they put in the time to fix the problem. But I think Correct. there's actually a much larger problem with California being there a uh, yeah. um, a nation bordering state and such mm -hmm. a large state. Yeah. Uh, and California is just generally bought by lobbyists anyway. So. But you that's know, for another day. Yeah, that is for another day. <laughs> From a tax perspective yeah. right now, who's responsible for paying the taxes? Is it the dispensaries themselves? As of January 1, dispensaries now collect 
uh, excise tax. So okay, it's January from, 1, 2023 of this correct, year. Correct. All the taxation is done at the, at the dispensary level. Correct. So everybody feeding yeah. in the dispensary is not responsible for paying it. But it's basically whatever margin the dispensaries want to make plus the taxation is the total price you pay as the consumer. Now as these regulators start to come in and they start to consider how should we do this, how has that gotten you more broadly involved in the cannabis industry from an advocacy perspective? From an advocacy perspective, um, I mean, being a business owner and we're we're really one of few that are not um, deep pocket corporate funded um, you know, we're, I'm still, which is, you know, which seems like it's becoming a large challenge in the cannabis industry. It is, it is. Well, yeah. it, you know, maybe, maybe it's because I'm kind of a control freak. I, I want to be the decision maker. I don't right. want to have to talk to a board about making a decision. I, I really, uh, this is my baby, you know, I started it. So mm-hmm. I want to do what's best for, you know, it's, have, well-being. You, have you taken any outside money to fund the business? Mm-mm. Okay. Good so. for you. Yeah. Neither have we, and that's the exact same reason. So you're in control why. of your own destiny. But I was I was more talking about like the big pharmaceutical companies and a variety of other giants getting into the space because they see it coming. Mm-hmm. Most yeah. people don't actually know this. It takes three quarters of the states to ratify the Constitution. Technically speaking, in the United States, three quarters of the states actually it's either seventy percent or three quarters. Please don't quote me, but it's right around there. If if they vote to legalize something, you could we could technically make it legal in the United yeah. States to have recreational cannabis. Yeah, it's closer to 70%. By 70%. The way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite, it's so, quite it's quite wild. Yeah. So but that got you writing for the Rolling Stone if I, if I remember so, correctly. So, yeah, we, about about a year ago I was uh, contacted by Rolling Stone Culture Council. It's a, okay. it's an online uh, culture making. It's a spin-off of it uh, and a like an arm of the Rolling Stone uh, magazine. Um, and it is business specific. There are um, categories and they, they, you know, they refer to it as uh, culture makers. Mm-hmm. And so the different categories like um, uh, there's there's like health and wellness, there's um, music industry, there's, uh, you know, there's a cannabis uh, um, uh, segment to it. There's there's, I think, eight categories right now. Um, and I actually head up the cannabis um, cate- category. That is well, so amazing. Yeah. And, and sort of what has been the hot topics lately with uh, the cannabis industry here in California, because I know there's probably some parallels to maybe Colorado who's done it. I know they have had a lot of attention because they were an early adopter. So California is the single largest um, uh, segment of the cannabis industry. It's billions of dollars annually. Um, so everybody but, wants to be here is what you're saying. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I would say two years ago, everyone wanted to be here. Why is that? Right now we have such a robust illicit market. 80% of all the cannabis sold in California is illicit market. Is in, in your professional opinion, mm-hmm. why is that? The state isn't doing enough to dissuade, uh, you know the black marketeers. There, there, there's not enough crackdown on it. There's not enough. Um, you know, y- you have um, trap shops, which are just the illegal shops down in so- yeah. Southern yeah. California. Right. Uh, so they'll open up. And by the way, you'll find you'll find uh, mimicked Heavenly Sweet products in them. These, I didn't these make are not, them. These are not trap products, yeah, by the way. These are the these real are deal. Top products. Yeah, these are the real deal. But you'll find Heavenly Sweet products in a number of them. But they're not made by us, and they are not made by our standards. Are you serious? So, so there's yeah. actual like yeah. pop up fake cannabis yeah. shops from yeah. probably. So you, you, know, so you grown get, cannabis yeah. from cartels. 
You guys got the Chinese manufacturers making New York Yankees hats, and you're not getting paid on it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And not only that, but it's a double whammy because they're ruining our reputation, too, that we took 15 years to build up. And not enough is being done to to put an end to these. And and they're, you know, the people who operate these shops, too, they've got, you know, a, a a shop right here at point A, but they've also already set up half a block away ready when that one gets raided they've already they're just opened the next one and they've got two or three shops ready to go public shops yes wow oh okay so you're saying there's public retail that's doing this things doing these things illegally correct so we got trap storefront yes yes and so they just hire people to come in and there are just employees there right they're not paying taxes on any of their product They're ripping off people's brands. They're making a bunch of they're 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 importing probably the cheapest product that they can, right? There's it's not it's tested. all it's all a margin game. It's all yeah. how can they make the most it's amount of totally money? Totally the yeah. black market. Yeah. So now, if Is you it, were to write an article right now for Rolling Stone, what would you say? Some of, like let's just say the top three issues are right now with the state of California. Number one, overtaxation. Um, I, uh, number two, overregulation on the legal um, entities, and number three is the illicit black market is okay. just is just un un you know. I think we got to dive into number two. Let's number two. Yeah, let's. Can you dive into number two a little bit more? Which is the um, the the legal side the of overregulation. It. Overregulation, yeah. So, you know, I, I have a nine thousand square foot facility, um, and I not only have to operate by all of the cannabis regulations with regards to our packaging and styles, and you know, um, dosage and uh, and all of our ta- all of our uh, lab testing that's required, all of those things, which is great because I think that that forces those, us all to put out a higher quality product that's yeah, uh, standardized reliable. quality product. Sure. And that was already a part of your brand ethos too. So it, you probably don't mind that part. I don't mind that part. Um, but the regular, we also have to adhere to the same manufacturing standards as like Campbell's soup. So we have the same type of procedures that have but, to take place, all the same red tape for lack of a better is a lot so much administrative work for a small bit we're a small business i think that's the greatest misconception uh about the cannabis industry most of us are just small businesses yes yeah and i think the usda needs to get off their ass and get some shit moving here because the fact that you guys have to be regulated like campbell's soup Mm -hmm. does but there's no way for you guys to get like an organic classification for your guys's products i know that might stem a lot of different areas but in, in my opinion, where the food industry is going right now, because this is very much what I'm on the bleeding edge of from just being generally interested in it and being around people and following people that are mm-hmm. in that industry, there is so much movement happening on what's actually good for humans that in your guys' industry, in the cannabis industry, if you're having to be regulated the same way, all of those same things are going to tr- should eventually trickle over into where you're at. Yeah, but this is my opinion. But I feel like maybe and, and maybe you can address this. The FDA has regulations in place for Campbell's and other you know food manufacturers, but they're probably not enforced, and they're probably much more laxed about it. For you guys, kind of like the supplement, they're industry. probably very much hammered down. I would imagine absolutely. On it. And see, yeah. and I think that's where maybe you were going was. It's unrealistic to create the regulation that they have created 
and then also say small businesses are going to be able to thrive and large corporations are not going to be able to come over here and corner and take over the market because it seems like maybe what you were alluding to was the later. Oh, you want to say something? Yeah. Go. I, I wanted to address one of the things, too, is that how how our regulations are actually, you know, we have a two layer. It's not just the manufacturing, but we also have our our cannabis component of our regulations. So when we first started, um, I, I mean, I literally I had to fight to allow us to have a single, like the Rice Krispie Treat. I had to come up with something. I came up with putting a, a cutting guide in there because they required that a consumer be able to easily identify 10 milligrams. So they were wanted us to pre-cut those in 10 little cubes, which would be ridiculously labor-intensive. So here's the cannabis-infused <laughs> peanut butter treat. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Oh, and again, just smell it. Well, I would eat yeah, this if it yeah. didn't have cannabis in yeah. it right now. Oh, oh man. Give this to dad. He wouldn't know I hit him. (laughs) (laughs) So the same thing here. You got that nice uh, uh, packaging to to cut up the dosage. Again, this thing smells like it just came right out of the oven. It it looks great. I mean, do you smell that thing? And for those of you guys at home, it I mean, smells like chocolate and uh, yeah, Rice Krispie. It's great. It's a nice big old Rice Krispie treat right there. I mean, it's awesome. That's... It's got a nice drill. It, it looks like something you'd see in a high-end sweet shop. So, what do you have anything else in here that you want us to bust open and take a look at? Because I'm, it, it, it all seems like it's kind of the same thing. Wow, this is fresh. This is so good. I mean, you can't smell a single ounce of cannabis in this stuff. Obviously, if it's packaging for me that I'm going to struggle with opening, a kid's not going to be able to get it open. Right. So I would say the the next thing would be one of the 420 bars. So if you have the chocolate cherry, do you have? Do you, uh, this is the uh, chocolate yeah, here, crunch. Here, open if you open it. Just because that these are these are single origin high end chocolates. Okay. Um, made by Guitard, and so you know Guitard makes chocolate for C's candy. Well, the, the quality of chocolate C's candy uses is below the level of chocolate that we use. So we use their highest level chocolate. Um, super high How quality. How popular are these? I wish they were more popular. Are they, are they a newer <laughs> so, product? Um, about two years. We've been, we've been, uh, we put them out about two years ago. They're, they're a 420 bar for the obvious 420 uh, reference, but it's four milligrams of CBD and 20 milligrams of THC. So it is a perfect serving for two. You snap it in half. There's a perforation in there. Yeah. So, so here, so yeah. here we are. So yeah. yeah. So look at that. It's just, shine. it's literally just yeah. got nice two. Yeah. Uh, two mm-hmm. two pieces in there. Mm-hmm. You could snap. I assume yeah. we could just yeah. snap this yep. thing. Look and at then, that. And again, smell it. Right, right on the break. Oh, it smells like cherry. Come yeah. on, Papa Elon, keep going. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that does have a nice cherry. God, that smells so yeah. good. Yeah. Put that back. So, uh, thank you. That's wild because all the stuff I've ever been around is reeked. Yeah, you just been getting the wrong stuff. <laughs> but this is okay. the one you want to open. Okay, yeah, that's okay so up. that's the real one. Um, so, so now this is for somebody who's just, at home. Uh, they're you know they want to make their own edibles, yeah. uh, or they want to in- integrate it into something else. Alan, describe what you're seeing so people. Can, so yeah, this yeah. is. Uh, I mean, it's obviously well packaged, right? You got a, a a good amount of butter in there with that. Um, you know, as I'm looking at that, it's you could probably scoop that out super easy. Yeah. Now, did you smell the butter when you opened it? Yeah, no, I it, didn't give it a because snack. I was I was enjoying the visual yeah. aspects of your product. <laughs> this is, I mean, it's very well packaged together. It's, it oh. smells and oh, tastes. Oh man, could you imagine like yeah. watching a Harold and Kumar? It smells go to like the, the butter Castle? and popcorn. That's yeah. what it smells like. I mean, yeah. it doesn't smell like popcorn, but it, you right. know, popcorn smells very, like butter. Yeah. Very subtle. Yeah. Very subtle. And so yeah. now, 
you obviously uh, develop your process for doing That's this. That's really good, by the you way. Now, what do you recommend uh, folks make with this? Because you've taken a lot of the flavor out of it. it. I saw on the label that it says, hey, only bake under a certain degree. Yes. You know, keep it away from heat, obviously, because you want to keep the cannabis oils in there right. intact. You don't want them breaking down. Uh, what, are the, what are some of the good products that you recommend they make with this? You know, it, you're limited by your imagination, really. I, I would say don't fry with it. Nothing that's um, nothing that's direct heat unless it's just warming. Uh, I would say your best effect is to uh, warm that in a double boiler. You know, okay. and if you don't have a double boiler, a little a little pot with a little water in yeah, it. Yeah, that's the like thing. Thing like something you warm a baby yeah. bottle up with, or something. Yeah. Or you yeah. melt chocolate yeah. with. Yeah, that's yeah, stuff exactly, stuff. exactly. So you can uh, warm it up that way on our website uh, at www.heavenlysweet.com. There is a dosing guide um, which tells you exactly how much t- um, milligrams or the potency of yes. a teaspoon, a tablespoon, um, and then there's a step by step how you can. Uh, use a formula to create uh, an intended yield. So, for example, if you're making chocolate chip cookies and you want them to be 10 milligrams each and it makes 24 cookies, you want to put 240 milligrams worth in there. So how do you find it? You're looking at the dosing guide and it might be a teaspoon and a half in order to get that 240 milligrams. And that is, at least in my mind, I look at that, the dosing guide, everything's on it. It smells great. There's no odor, clear instructions. Like I would feel so nice and easy using that. Now, you, you had talked that this is your your number one product is the butter. Yeah, this is the cannabis infused fru- fru- fruity treat, right? And uh, this is a hundred milligrams, right? Mm-hmm. Ten servings of 10, 10 milligrams a piece, plus uh, uh, a little bit of CBD in it. Now, if I open this bad boy up and I look at this, I did get it. There you, know. you go. So, oh, look at that. So and that it, actually so this is that's a that's a fruity pebble rice crispy. Yeah. And then, like you were saying earlier, yeah, it's about four by two. You uh, actually got this dosing yeah. guide in yeah. here too. So now the dosing guide you for folks who want to take a look at this, it's basically the size of the uh, it's a little piece of wax paper. The, yeah, it's that? a piece yeah. of wax paper. It's a, it's the size of the rice crispy. Man, it's with, printed felt, with vegetables. Smells like a, a really nice cereal in here. And then so you open that up and you just lay it on top and you just cut right over it. Or the other way. Yeah. Put, it, well, put it on top. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking but, you yeah. would put it on top but like that. One of the things smell that. Yeah, it doesn't smell like cannabis at it all. It doesn't. It also won't taste like cannabis. Oh, wow. I mean, that's definitely Fruity Pebbles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, there, there's no cannabis involved in that whatsoever. So, and no wonder why this is super popular. This yeah. is this feels and smells like a snack you would eat at home yeah. or a little treat you would mm-hmm. make, right? And, you know, whether it's a bottle of wine or an edible or two, Right, you know, this is this is really a high quality yeah, product. This is a five to seven minute rapid onset cannabis infused lemon squeeze gummy, sour lemon flavor. So these are Not, organic lemon oil in these. Yes. Bingo! This is, I mean, this is great. So, how do you have a rapid onset product? Walk me through that. So, it is a micro technology um, that it, this formulation is made for us. Um, it's a water soluble. Um, you know, essentially it's in powder form so that it can be fully incorporated um, and homogenized um, within the slurry that we make for these gummies. Right. Yeah. Let's take a look at this. Yeah. So we have some uh, uh, cannabis infused ranch crackers in here yes. for you. Now, these are really popular. And yeah. let's take a look at this. Oh, these are Cheez-Its. Yeah. 
and, and they're a nice alternative to like so many sweet products. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's cannabis infused ranch yeah. crackers. To that actually make the is. cracker, you have to have a specific type of extruder. So it's literally like <laughs> so, a bag of it's literally like yeah. a bag of Cheez Its. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. So, so we make ranch uh, crackers. We make a chili lime cracker, and we make a sriracha cracker. So that's that's pretty cool. And then the serving labels, awesome. It's just right there, so you can know exactly how much you're eating. And then again, same thing. This thing's a hundred milligram bag, ten milligram mm-hmm. servings, and that that's really cool because Under I think about Scott, it like that. If you're trying to, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, the, the video nice, switching might slow down. The, the nice thing about those is that anything in our munchie line, including our our caramel corn, uh, which we could go into that, um, or any of our crackers, or we have like lemon buddies, muddy buddies. Uh, those lemon buddies right there, those taste like a little crunchy lemon meringue pie. Uh, but they're all one milligram per piece. So somebody who's microdosing, you know, if you're if you're you know your ideal dosage is seven milligrams, you know it's seven pieces. Again, you check our website www.heavenlysweet.com. I wrote a, a a it's essentially it's called Golden Rules of Edibles, but it is a step by step for dummies how to not over ingest. Uh, you know, I wrote a little cookbook in the uh, during the holiday season, but I, I'm really seriously because I write obviously, um, yeah. and I cook you know so, I ra- writing for me is a passion I mean I love what I do I love what we've created I have a fantastic uh, team of of uh, employees that you know I don't make anything anymore I write I write our recipes and I write all our formulations uh, I always tell people that edibles are really the best bang for your buck like you get a long effect with just a small amount so a hundred milligrams again it's right. going to feel like smoking 400 milligrams. And you don't have any yellowing of your teeth from smoking or anything going in well, your lungs. Or, or any of the other yeah. negative benefits. So, so plus, plus super discreet. Like yeah, you so could throw that in your bag and take it on an airplane. Um, so the you know, if uh, somebody was interested in wanting to take a look at some of these, get them at home for medicinal use or for just some recreational use, okay. um, where can they find you guys uh, online to follow you? Or where can they find your products uh, in the greater Sacramento region? Are there any major retailers around here? Uh, that, there uh, are a bunch of them. Um, and you can, again, on our website, there is a buy now feature, like a, a tab. And it's actually through Weed Maps, And it will identify um, the locations nearest you that have certain product. I was going to ask a product. you if yeah. you had that technology yeah, feature. Yeah, we do. Yeah, okay. on our, right on our yeah. website. So um, that's your best bet. And and the 500 plus retailers we work with are across the state.